Welcome to the Cutaways Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Justine. We are the romantic comedy podcast experts. Experts. Of of the world. Yep. That's us. Don't. Don't. We're not. Um, we, we, we have legitimate documentation. Fact check. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is all on pa- paper. Yep. We get a degree from iTunes. Don't ask who the authors are oh where where did we go we were like two seconds into this come on (laughs) where do we go from From here here. well we're we're a romantic comedy podcast where we watch romantic comedies from start to finish in chronological order i hope we watch the movies from start to finish well it's not like we pause them and then talk about them we we know we watch them we watch them like some people come in and take notes. No, we haven't seen this movie we're about to watch. No. No, we're about to cut, watch the movie, then come back and be like, hey, we watched this movie. And it was a movie. It was. <laughs> Whether or not it's good or not is up in the air up at this point. Up in the air. Hey, today we're watching 1997's As Good As It Gets. As Good As It Gets. I hope it's as good as it gets. I don't know. Or better. It's got some interesting... It's got a weird... Why? Why are the de- descriptions always weird? Shh, 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 shh. It's okay. It's okay. I'm here for you. Hello. Yes. This is our podcast. <laughs> Here's the description. DVD.com. Chronic Grouch and acerbic author Melvin Udall lives in an obsessive compulsive fog, rigidly following his daily routine Till he's reluctantly drawn into the lives of stressed-out single mom, Carol Connolly, gay neighbor, Simon Bishop, and his dog. <laughs> I have a grammar question. Go ahead. No, I mean, like, there is a comma between Carol Connolly and gay neighbor, but there's no comma between Simon Bishop and his, and his dog. dog. So, so whose dog is it? <laughs> is it Simon Bishop's dog? Or, or is, is it, it Melvin yeah. Dell's? Is it his dog? I don't, who's... I also like Oxford comma where? Yeah. Well, people don't believe in the Oxford comma, remember? Well, then I don't know whose dog this is. Well, people suck. This is my concern. (laughs) I also like that they tried to make it rhyme. Chronic grouch and error. I don't even know how to say that word. Cervic. Compulsive fog with and his dog. Ooh. Ooh. Look at that. Did Lynn Manuel write this? Yep. Lynn, come on the show. We really want you to. Yeah. We need to talk about Justine's musical. We need to talk about if there should be a comma here because like Angelica Schuyler, I am obsessed. <laughs> Justine just dropped the mic literally and physically. <laughs> Figuratively. I feel so bad if people don't know, listen to Hamilton. They don't get any of our Hamilton references because we make so, so many. many. You should listen to Hamilton. Like after this podcast, after you listen to it, download the podcast. It's free. It is free if you are an Amazon Prime member, which I am. So I get the whole album for free. I mean, you could listen to it on Spotify. That too. The whole thing. Just just listen to it. It's beautiful and magical and you will be transported to a place in our history, and then you will want to learn about history. Seriously, I bought a biography about Alexander Hamilton, guys. So this movie, which I have still a lot to talk about, uh, this movie stars Jack Nicholson, Helen Hunt, and Greg Kinnear. This movie is directed by James L. Brooks, who we last saw as an actor in Modern Romance. We're going to hate this movie. 
just straight up, we are going to hate this movie. I'm sorry, James Brooks, but James L. Brooks has made lots of good things. Yeah, but Modern Romance was horrible. But he was just an actor in it, where he played a director. Now he's an actual director. But didn't he write it too? No, Albert. Albert. Oh, Brooks. Wait, are they related? (gasps) Yeah, I think they're related. Okay, so this movie is another Richard Marks film. He's the editor. Richard Marks. He edited Pretty in Pink, Say Anything, Father Bride, and he co-produced this movie and Say Anything. Look at him branching out. Uh, the first assistant editor is Jeffrey Ford, and we got a pile of AEs here, assistant editors. Gina Bleer, who was the first AE on uh, Reality Bites. Laura Congleton, Heather Hughes, Hilary Schroeder, Tony Solomon, Sarah Thiessen, and John Scott Cook, who was uncredited. And the associate editor was Lori C. Ingle. So lots of hands on this. Yeah. Lots of female hands as well. Mm-hmm. This movie is rated PG-13 for strong language, thematic elements, nudity, and a beating. What? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I just write things down. Okay. Oh, my God. It's two hours and 18 minutes. Like, fucking Jerry Maguire... It's, it's a 45 minutes too long, probably. It's rated four stars, and there's a lot of awards right here. At the 1998 Golden Globe Awards, winner, best actor in a motion picture musical or comedy, best actress in a motion picture musical or comedy, best motion picture musical or comedy, nominated for best director, and nominated for best supporting actor. At the 1998 Academy Awards... Winner, Jack Nicholson, Best Actor, Helen Hunt, Best Actress, these Academy Awards. And nominated in a bunch of categories, nominated for Best Film Editing, Best Supporting Actor, Greg Kinnear, uh, nominated Best Music Score, nominated Best Picture, and nominated Best Original Screenplay. Ugh, that's a mouthful. Indeed. So it did, it did, it did well. It is a theoretical good movie, except for... Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> you cannot use the Academy Awards or any awards really as a barometer. I yeah, that's it's all politics and it's all like timing mm-hmm. and all that jazz on what sticks in the minds of the Academy. Let's go watch this really long ass movie. Yay! Start to get break out the campfire in the tent. <laughs> Ooh, would there be marshmallows? Yes. Okay. Cool. Ready, Scotty? No. Hey guys, we just watched As Good As It Gets. That's about as good as it gets. That's a, that's as good as it gets. Okay, bye. It's <laughs> having Jerry Maguire flashbacks. Oh my god. I was having just... So like, if Jerry Maguire... Look, your dog is distressed. He he he, he senses... Come so, here. See, look. Yes. This puppy's like, how can I help? Bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my god puppy went to me <laughs> judas uh continue the movie was bad this just was bad bad i think people are gonna be surprised again like some people were really surprised that we didn't like jerry Maguire. and here's another oscar winning movie with a famed actor and actress you know combo combo yeah and just as like regular filmmakers, I don't know, man. I didn't like that it mocked the mental health. I mean, I liked that it like brought attention to like the crappy healthcare system that we have 
in the United States, mm-hmm. how it's really difficult to like get care that you need. Um, but this dude was well off. Mm-hmm. He had a mental illness. He had diagnosed OCD, refused to go to the psychiatrist's office, and nobody just, everybody was just like, okay, cool. We're going to love him for who he is. He would openly, in the public, in front of others, commit hate crimes. Yes! And people were like, okay, it's fine. Just give us your money, yeah. white guy. That's what it felt. I was like, how, how, how is this? How, how, how do people tolerate him? Well, it's like he all, he had Tourette's, maybe, or also along with the OCD, or he just, he couldn't, It's it comes along with the OCD, like I guess Tourette's maybe can, but I didn't like that nobody was, everybody was just okay with it. Everybody was just like, oh, sir, I'm so sorry, but we have to kick you out of the diner now because you're being obnoxious. And it's like, he's been obnoxious this entire time. Why are you just now doing it? This, I don't think this movie works well in this climate because all I could think of was Donald Trump. (laughs) Oh, I didn't even make that connection, but it makes so much sense. It's like the only other white straight guy he encountered in the movie is this right? Is the like manager of the restaurant who told him to kick, who kicked him out? Yes. He didn't encounter like any other white straight guys in the whole movie, right? No. So it was like a whole. I don't. I know this sounds like exaggerating, but it's like a whole movie of this guy oppressing minorities. Yes, <laughs> it is. Because that's all he hung around, you, you know? Can we just talk about Hamilton instead of this movie? <laughs> uh, oh, I did want to address the thing I said in the in the, in the the open. That it... Uh, no comma. No comma. It was the neighbor's dog. I am satisfied. Okay, Angelica. <laughs> we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. But when I meet Thomas Jefferson, I'm a compelling to include women in the sequel. Work! work. <laughs> as good as it gets. It's not as good as it gets. It's not as good as it gets. Because if that is as good as it gets, I would shoot myself. It was, it was, it was Jerry Maguire trying to be when Harry met Sally. Yes. But also with a little bit of my father, the hero, sprinkled in. And some weird, like, homophobia, but also acceptance. Well, like, he's totally, he's like, okay, you're going to come and stay with me at the end. Yeah, that's supposed to be him changing. Yes, but it's not. But, no. but like, in a weird way, it's like, well, oh, he set up his room all nice. Aw, he did things. He's like the kind of homophobia that it's like, I don't care what you're doing, just keep it. I don't want to see it. Yeah. That's his, like, branch of it. Gotcha. So it's not like he was outright against what they're doing. He would just insult them to their faces and call them names and, you know. And yell about the police being there during a hate crime. Yeah. Which this whole setup for the beating Mm -hmm. was way too long. (laughs) Really? We met every person who was complicit in that crime. (laughs) And they and got they no justice. No justice. <laughs> Forget about that. Bud. Like his manager, the dude who went out and just got the tweakers. Mm-hmm. And then the tweakers. We met all three of them. Mm-hmm. Not just once, but twice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
One of them was it was Jamie Kennedy. Yes. That was the one I recognized. Okay. And then he makes a painting of one of them. Which took weeks. Yes. As I said, he's like, I've been coming here for weeks. So we're like, this is a detailed inside job. <laughs> They've been planning this for weeks. Yep. Yep. Oh, but the movie did have a shining spot. Which was? The dog. Oh, yeah. The dog. The dog. Was played by eight different dogs. Yeah. And they were all adorable. Yeah, the dog had the best dog acting ever. I was compelled by the dog. The dog would be like, I'm staring fondly. And I'm like, I love you, dog. <laughs> You're the best dog in the world. You're so good. Give the dog whatever it wants. Give the dog that bacon. Yeah. Just give it all the give bacon. The bacon. And that roast beef. Yeah. That dog loved that roast beef. Kuba. Kuba's in this movie. He's not in it a lot. He, he kind of like, disappears. Straight up was a day player on this movie for sure. Yeah. Unless most of his shit got tossed on the cutting room floor. If not, he was a day player. I mean, like, was he supposed to be Simon's boyfriend? Yes. I, I thought, thought so. Yeah, I thought so too. But then like halfway through, he's just like, I got stuff to do. Bye. I got to sell art. Bye. You, you hang out with the crazy guy who hates us. <laughs> You're no longer my muse. Yeah. That's what that felt like to me. That was weird. Also, why was he just like toting things on to other people and like being angry black man on them? Like he was definitely a stereotype. Yeah. Which I had a problem with. Like where he was just like, I will straight up cap your ass to Jack Nicholson to take the dog. I was just like, dude, no. Yeah. Too much. Too much too soon too much who are you and why are you so angry it's just like regina king come back fix him fix him <laughs> fix him <laughs> and we got helen hunt who we saw a lot of in ways that didn't necessarily need to no no why why why, why did it have to be raining why is it pertinent that she's out in the rain and she didn't put on a bra and, like, that's pertinent to the scene. That's the comedy of the scene. She's like, I'm exposed. Whoops. Because she just steps out of the elevator. She's walking along. And you're just like, oh, God. You see everything. You see everything. You can see nipple. Girl. You can see, what is it? The uvliova? Uvli, uv, what are they called? Ariel. Ariolas. I liked where you were going. <laughs> it's like oubliettes. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, no, dear. That's for the downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> gonna get you hey at least i had the ola part right you did a lot of body parts in ola don't they i don't know no that's no. a tangent for another day it's a tangent for another day <laughs> i do like the oubliette bit though like as a nickname that's a really <laughs> nice nickname it's like a death trap though but i like that be warned yes <laughs> like fuck up and die yeah <laughs> You mess with this, you mess with danger. <laughs> Throw you down like 8,000 feet. Mm-hmm. You stay down there with the ghosts. Uh, so, this movie it has no humor. Oh we are bringing God. it to you because we are in the oubliette with the ghosts. <laughs> I was, I, 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 you know, I really wanted to give this a really good chance but like right off the bat i know you're supposed to hate the point of it is you're supposed to hate the guy and then like he's redeemed like jerry Maguire, right but this guy i'm like like i said i don't think it works in this like day and age where you're supposed to be held accountable you know yeah 
He was not. I don't think he was held accountable. I don't think he really learned what he did was wrong. I feel like. So I'm going to make a comparison here that, I mean, might be bad. So Silver Linings Playbook deals with mental illness in a different way. And throughout the course of that movie, he's going to a therapist. He's actively trying to better himself. He is saying some horrible things, and but he's also trying really hard. So I feel like if they would have paired it with the therapy side of it, mm-hmm. it would have come off better. Because at least he's trying to manage his situation. He's acknowledged that it exists. And he's not just hiding from it or dealing with it yeah his way of dealing with it was just like give everybody money yeah it's just like a payoff seriously that's all he was and then how how do you like a guy who's just like here here's the money for all the horrible things i said i don't know i feel like i fell asleep halfway through you did yeah i remember her dress you didn't miss anything i know i didn't because (laughs) i woke up and i was just like oh we were finally at the dinner scene he bought a jacket and tie. That's what you missed. <laughs> he couldn't go into the place because they had a tile entryway, but he bought a jacket and tie. That's all I missed. And then he returned and then he insulted her. Yeah. I feel like I was asleep for a good 20 minutes. Nope. <laughs> but I liked her dress. Yeah. The fashion in the movie was pretty good for the 90s. It wasn't like out there. Yeah. So... Jack Nicholson plays Marvin Udall. He lives in this really nice apartment. Really nice. Everybody who lives there lives in really nice. Simon lives there. He's got a little studio attachment too because he makes art. He is an artist. He's got a doggy named Verdell. His doggy is so cute. All the neighbors don't like Marvin. Because he's loud and obnoxious and angry. He's a big mean... Jerk face. Jerk face who hates everyone. Everyone and everything, especially germs, minorities. Yeah. In this movie, he is sexist, anti-Semitic, homophobic, racist. All of the ists and the isms he Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. He is a discriminator. Yes. Does he apologize to any? No. No. Not even at the end. Nope. He just one fucked up dude. Mm Mm-hmm. So we start the movie, he's in the hallway with Verdell, the dog, and the dog wants to pee on the wall. So he picks up the dog and pushes it down the garbage chute, which I was like, that dog is dead. Yeah, he should have been. That dog is dead. Dog's not dead. But first, like five minutes of the movie, I was like, they killed the dog, Ashley. (laughs) And I was just immediately not okay. They did it. They killed the dog. But it's the it's Simon's dog, and they're looking for it. Kuba's there. Marvin's being homophobic to them. He's screaming and yelling. And so, like, Simon's just like, where's the dog? Bah, 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 bah. And then Simon says to Marvin, well, you don't love anything. And that's our... Whatever that is, the plot. That is our, our arc? Yep. Our thing? You don't love anything. Um, We see that he's got severe OCD. I mean, not to He leaves the house. But, you know, he does the counting of the locks, flicking of the lights, washing the hands multiple times, doesn't step on cracks. When he goes out, he eats with plasticware and orders the same thing every day. Has a routine, he does. Has to have the same person, the same table, mm-hmm. the same everything. The neighbors, Simon and, and Kuba, I didn't get his name. They're having a party, a little art party. The, the management brings the dog back to them. And so the manager's like, 
perhaps a friendly neighbor shoved him down the garbage chute and they're like, and they go and bang on the door of, of Marvin and they confront him. And he's like, don't ever knock on my door. I am always working. And Kuba, you know, defends Simon. Saying For the like, only time ever. Yeah. Being like, you're a big jerk. And like, what goes around comes around. Da, 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 da. Then we go see the restaurant where Helen Hunt works. She talks about how she has a date. And we see that Helen Hunt's character Carol and Marvin know each other. Because he's a regular there. And we first meet him in the restaurant. He's being anti-Semitic. He yells at Lisa Cuddy and the guy who plays Tal mm-hmm. from House. Yep. They went off and became doctors. Yep. <laughs> because he insulted them in a racist way. And then they had to deal with Dr. Gregory House, who also kind of does that. So he gets his table, but he's still in a cranky mood. So he mentions offhand to carol that her son is gonna die which her son is very sick she was talking about how sick her son is and so she's and he overhears it yeah so he's pretty much like uh ebenezer scrooge with no filter yeah and the the son is tiny tim (laughs) with no actual role in the the musical so helen hunt's like if you ever talk about my son in any way again you are banned not this time for when you yelled at the jewish people no when you talk about my son So that's why I just find it hard to believe, you know? Do you think that it's just kind of like a reflection on society? How we give certain people certain advantages? I think so. That's what I'm saying. I'm not sure it would go over as well today. I don't know. I mean, when we kind of look in the mirror of what this year has wrought, are we really doing a good job? Are we doing enough? No. Yeah. I think... People are very complicit in their silence and don't realize that their silence mm-hmm. does create more. It creates a complacency. Mm-hmm. It creates more. And it also, when certain situations happen and people become emboldened by certain things, it perpetuates it. So then you can't really say, oh, yeah, this is really bad. You guys should really stop. Because then... You've already you already were silent enough. Like what was the quote from one of the guys in the concentration camps? First they came for um the gypsies and I they weren't part of me so I didn't say anything and then they came for the gays and I didn't say anything cuz they weren't me and then they came for me. Yep. So like, huh, that's exactly what's happening and I hate that the the history of it all is like lost on people and they don't history is destined to repeat itself if we don't pay attention to it and pay attention to the patterns that history has taught us. So I think the movie does do, I guess, justice in the fact that we do give white, straight men a hell of a lot more of the benefit of the doubt as a society than we do any other types. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big problem I had with the movie. Oh, that's just, it may, especially with, the ongoing situation that we are in now, it just made me like so turned off by, I didn't make the actual direct comparison that you did to it. Cause I was just like, Oh my God, this is society. This is crappy. I just want to go to sleep. Yeah. And that makes me feel bad because then that makes me slightly complicit in the whole ignoring thing. Cause I just want to shut down. Yeah. But you're speaking, you're saying it now. Yeah. But I mean, if I, if I was face to face with it in the street, I would do my best to say something about it. Yeah. I mean, 
it would be a very hard for me to I would I would be more inclined to speak to the person that is being persecuted rather than the attacker because telling them to shut up only is going to make them you're giving them onus you're giving them a reason they're you're giving them the, the feedback that they want it's like feeding the trolls in real life yeah that's i was listening to a this american life episode that they were doing before the election i just listened to it recently about the somali population in minnesota and about how so many of the white people living there uh, felt like they wanted you know a cap they're like no more i don't want any more somali things happening and and you know the 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 Congress people were like, "That's racist. You can't do that." And they just kept being like, "Well, you can't do that. It's un- it's illegal. You can't just like bar people who are free to enter. Yeah. You know, you just we can't do that." And so why the people were just getting angrier is because they felt like they weren't being listened to. They were just immediately hit with like, "No, because of this." Okay, next thing. But like then they felt like their problems weren't getting addressed. They started to form groups and started to take the action into their own hands because like, well, the government didn't listen to us. So no one is listening to our complaints, whatever, whatever their small complaints to begin with. And now they become a whole different thing. Well, and I think that's like the overreaching problem of not listening to minorities, not listening to people who are having, it may not be right the Mm -hmm. problems that they are having or, you know, it may feel bad. You should still listen to those people. Yeah. You should still not necessarily listen to them and then agree with them, but listen to them to the point where you're hearing their side and you're like, well, we can't address it because of this, but we hear you. We understand where like this is coming from, but here, why not you talk to somebody who is also in the group on the other side. Yeah, like, that was explain. a problem, too. Yeah. They were like, ooh, this is going to take over, and then that's going to happen. I've heard this thing happen over in this other city. And they weren't getting, you know, the facts because nobody was telling them. Yeah, there's an overall reaching just problem because mm-hmm. we don't have it set up in our in our society, just in like our school system, teaching people how to find factual information and to compare and contrast and then to discern for themselves what they should be taking from that information it's like especially now because you have it's created this vacuum of problems or maybe even a cyclone of problems because now anybody and their mother can have a opinion on the internet or have a blog that looks professionally done and look like oh look a journalist that's not journalism there's there's checks and balances with journalism and that's what it's for has our media swayed a certain way that is questionable and we the people should be like hey guys no you shouldn't be doing this because it's giving you ratings like Mm -hmm. there's a whole other asset or asset aside of just greed and everything but getting the nuggets of information that you can get and then compare and contrast or do your research on is super easy now, but no one's going to do it because they're not taught the importance of it. You're just taught to be fed the information, regurgitate that information on the test, and then never link that with anything. So we don't have the link between the Holocaust and what is happening with, you know, calls for Muslim registration. We don't have the link 
between people like Stalin or Castro or anybody who went to these extreme sides of populism, nationalism, or even socialism and communism. You know, these can be great idea ideas to take, you know, nuggets from just on a standpoint of ideas of government, but they're not great when you take them to the extreme. Mm -hmm. And that's like, I think the biggest problem is when we take everything to one side, you're kind of forgetting where that can be very, very dangerous. It's just like saying that Thomas Jefferson was like our greatest president, but he also did some really bad things. Mm -hmm. Then we need to acknowledge that. We need to acknowledge the fact that George Washington owned slaves and talk about that more. Because our founding fathers were people first. They weren't these pillars of mythical creatures. And I think Alexander Hamilton's the, the musical Hamilton is doing a great job of trying to say, hey, guys, like Alexander Hamilton has some great ideas, but also he was kind of a dick. Yeah. Hamilton is the worst. <laughs> He's the worst. But then you like have to pair it with the good stuff that he did. And that's kind of the really, really hard part of looking at history is we can't keep people on these pedestals anymore because mm -hmm. doing that is damaging us. There's so many other complex issues that don't get acknowledged as to why, why people are so angry at, at minorities at certain things. And I think that's like something that I try and focus on in my mind because I'm from the Midwest. So I've seen it firsthand and I've seen why people can get so nitty gritty about it I don't agree with it and I personally you know I'm done letting my family get away with that without having a really good reason and if you don't have a really good reason then I am going to give you 10 million other ones that are way different and you better have a 10,000 other reasons back but well my dad I was texting my dad the other day and you know what he says what he's <laughs> he says trying to be optimistic I'm hopeful oh your dad is precious. We were talking about books. Um, <laughs> I was trying to get some, some sci-fi recommendations from him. And he knows I like to read uh, dystopian mm -hmm. novels. He says he won't read dystopian novels anymore. <laughs> He's like, I'm just trying to be hopeful. I'm like, so you're into the utopia now? He's like, I'm just optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm legitimately afraid to finish watching uh, Man in the High Castle. Oh, because we watched the first, most of the first season. We have one more episode left. And I'm just like, I don't really want to watch it. Like, as it got on, I'm just like, I am terrified. Like, this could actually yeah. happen. Thanks, Philip K. Dick. Yeah. And the se the second season, I think, comes out this week. It's just like, no, I don't. I'd rather be talking. Actually, I'd rather be talking about that show right now than this movie. Segwaying back. <laughs> <laughs> You can stop me, you know. No, this, no, what you were just talking about is way better than this movie, okay? <laughs> I think it's relevant to the movie. Yeah, I think it's very relevant. And maybe some people should torture themselves and watch this movie and think about things in relation to today. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like what we did. Yeah, it perpetuates an interesting stereotype, especially when they get into the relationship. Which we can even just skip ahead to the relationship if you want. I feel like skipping ahead through a lot. Because I wrote down a lot of things. Okay. I don't... 
I don't know if any of this is really necessary. I'm like so jaded. I was just like, just forget it all, man. <laughs> What's the point? No, not that. But like, it's not something we really agree with. So why would we describe it? But it's an important thing to describe something that you don't agree with. Yeah. Okay. Well, this next part isn't really needed because... um. Helen Hunt is at her place after her date, and she's got, like, some makeouts. But, uh, oh, yeah, and the guy, like, licks her forehead. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, that weird guy. And then, like... I forgot about him. She goes and helps her son throw up, and then when she comes back, like, he... Touches the puke? Yeah, he honks her boob, and then, like, looks at his hand, has vomit on his hand. And so he, like, leaves. He's like, I can't deal. Bye. Yeah, he's like, this is too real. And I'm like, what? Get out of here. You wanted to have, like, fake sex? Loser. Can't deal with humans. I mean, I don't know if I would be able to handle the puke. Well, that, but... Eh. So, let me see. I don't know who it is. That guy, that friend of Simon's going to pick up those junkies for uh, the painting. Yeah, he's like an assistant of an assistant who's like, I don't really want to spend any time picking up a model yeah he doesn't get a model he gets someone off the street he gets a homeless homeless he gets a tweaker yeah um simon has the line because he's talking about how he's trying to get the guy to pose but not pose and he has the line you look at someone long enough you discover their humanity simon has a lot of lines that are on theme (laughs) like he's just like i'm the theme (laughs) i like simon a lot to be honest I wanted the movie to focus on him. And his depression. Yes. That's the last thing I need. (laughs) But it wouldn't be a romantic comedy. But I did. I wanted more of Simon, less of cranky pants. Everybody abandons Simon. He gets depressed. Yes. That's your movie. Well, and then he finds uh, Holly Hunter. He finds uh, Helen Hunt. Helen Hunt. And they become friends and they learn how to deal with their life issues together. But like... I feel like, though, she reminds him of his mother in a weird way. I can see that. Yeah. I didn't necessarily get that. Like, he was looking for, like, replacement mommy. I don't know. I don't know if that's... I don't know if that's really what I I felt like they were genuine friends at the end. They were genuine friends at the end, but how they got there... Was weird. Yeah. I mean, but there's something freeing in that, that aspect of them becoming friends. They were truly vulnerable with one another yeah and and holly hunter hasn't talked to like a, a a human ever yeah at least like not another guy who isn't the jack nicholson yeah creepy joker man jerk face a couple more things happen marvin eats at the restaurant and asks helen about her son and he's nice this time simon this is two weeks into painting we have them him getting jumped by the people the tweakers and this scene was brutal yeah the guy takes a coat rack to him and just like goes to town beating the crap out of him this is a legit hate crime and nothing happened yeah so now that uh simon's been put in the hospital because of his the hate crime on him because he was beat to near death yes marvin's gonna watch his puppy (laughs) kuba says this is how you're gonna make it up to him for all that being a jerk you will watch his dog which marvin's like no no not dog no no not the dog 
Uh, no one's ever been in my apartment before. Yeah, but now the puppy house. So now Marvin goes into the restaurant. He actually um changes his seat to be closer to the dog, which is tied up outside. And he has another conversation with Carol and basically asks her why she looks so old. And he wants to know why she looked tired. And it's because she's been up since dawn, you know, helping her kid. Kid's sick, bro. Kid is sick. So, oh yeah, also Marvin is a novelist. He's written, now completing his 62nd book. But now Simon, I think this is a couple weeks later, Simon's uh, on his way home. So the dog will be leaving soon. But he's sad because he makes the, the puppy bacon. And roast beef and yeah, all the meats. He gets really upset. Yeah. But he gives the dog back. But the puppy likes likes Marvin. The puppy's the first one to go on Team Marvin. Well, I mean, he has he has the meats. He's got the bacon. Everybody wants the bacon. Everyone. I mean, like, the money bacon and the bacon. And all the bacon. Marvin goes to the therapist. We learn that the therapist's like, no, you have to make appointments. I'm not seeing you. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, so he goes to the restaurant. Carol isn't there. He wants Carol. He gets yelled at, but then the manager kicks him out finally for being creepy. Marvin goes to Carol's place, finds her. Apparently he can control his creep factor, but he won't. <laughs> then after he's like, you got to work at the restaurant. You got to work at the restaurant. And she's like, no, my son's sick. After he leaves, she takes her son's temperature and it's 104. So she got to rush him to the hospital. So he, so she gets in Marvin's cab and Marvin, I keep calling him Marvin's name's Melvin. Marvin Whoops. works too. <laughs> Is it Marvin or Melvin? I think it's Melvin. Melvin. It's a Vin. Sorry. I did watch this movie. <laughs> I don't have any memory. No, just kidding. I have memories. She rides with Melvin to the hospital. Lisa Simpson tells Simon that he's broke and his dog doesn't want him. So Simon's super sad that he's A, hideous because his face is all scarred up. Looks like Frankenstein. Poor B, guy. He's got no money. All of his shows are canceled. It's art shows. And see, his dog doesn't even want him anymore. Jerk. Look at, look at this. I just wrote fuck and then scribbled. That's my note. <laughs> Your dog goes to the publishers and... The assistant creeper. Julie Benz. Oh my god, it was Julie Benz. Yeah. Didn't look like her at no, all. No, it didn't. It must have been like really, really young Julie Benz. Yeah. She's just like, oh my god, I'm such a big fan with my heaving bosoms tell me all your secrets how do you write women so well and he says oh, well i write a man and take out all reason and all that whatever he says oh see now i see it yeah i see it now she's way young yeah super young pre-buffy days yeah darla darla darla's an amazing character yes yes she is that arc mm. props mm. props to whoever wrote that Joss. Joss. Joss, Joss has you beautiful had his human. fingers all over her arc, all the way through Angel. You're going to have a baby. The baby's going to be the worst character ever. But then you're going to die and it's going to be beautiful. He was pretty, though. The baby. Connor? Yeah. I thought he was pretty. He's a baby. I mean, like, even as a... But look at that baby face. Eh. Eh. They did a good job at casting him. Don't lie. Uh, I I agree with that for like looking like both of them. Sure, yeah. He was the worst character in the entire world, but yep. he was adorable. You know, they did make it up in the comics. Did they? Did, did he die? 
no, but there's a lot of forgiveness that he wasn't able to have on the show because he was just cranky pants the whole show. But in the comics, he was able to be like, okay, I accept what happened to me and how it was bad and the sacrifices you made and how I was a jerk and forgiveness. Yeah. And it's just like, finally. Okay. Less angel, more bad movie. Oh, and then Harold Ramis shows up. Which, Who was the best character in the entire movie. Yeah, the best human character. Yes. <laughs> Aside from the dog. The dog and Harold Ramis. I'd see that movie. Harold Ramis with the dog? Ooh, yeah. That's, I just want the movie called Harold Ramis and a Dog. Would you line up to buy tickets to see that movie? I would. I am terribly upset that we will never have that now. Oh. Hey, with, with digital things, we anything is possible. But would that be, like, okay? No. Okay. No. That's what I thought. So Harold Ramis plays a very special, awesome doctor. The doctor visits Carol and the son. Well, she comes home and the doctor's there. And he's like, hey, I'm going to fix your son. Everything's going to be a-okay. And Melvin is paying all the bills. All of them. And he makes a really funny joke about an HMO. That's all I remember. Simon has to fire his housekeeper. So now he needs Udal to walk his dog, which he's like, okay. Doggy! Dog time. Carol fights Carol fights with her mom about how Udall is bankrolling all of this. And she's just like, the guy is a psycho. <laughs> I don't want this in my life. Simon is losing his apartment. Carol takes a late night train to Udall. Gets in a, has a wet t-shirt and no bra and says, I won't sleep with you. And he's just like, okay. It's all weird. Yeah. Uh, Udall can't sleep that night, so he goes to visit Simon. He's nice. He brings him some soup. Simon's not sleeping either. Everybody's depressed. Carol writes a thank you note, and she cries. It's like 41 pages long. It's literally 18. They did a take where she read the whole 18 pages. Jesus. I thought it was much longer. Still bad, though. It's horrible. She She's sad. She's talking to her mom. She's kind of sad that, like, now that her son is healthy... She's like, well, where did my life go? You know, she finally, when she's not like focusing. Of, of yeah, him. she's not focused on her son. So she's looking at herself and she's just like, my life sucks. And so she's sad. She doesn't have a man. And the mom's like, let's just go out. We're going to have girls night. Party. Party. Yeah. I want to see Carol and mom go to a rave. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> With the glow sticks. <laughs> Yeah, they go out. Udall is at the restaurant, uh, the the restaurant the next day in the morning, dining with Cuba. He agrees to drive Simon to Baltimore to see his parents for money. Carol is there, reads him some for thank you note. He doesn't want it. Udall then says, hey, you know how I'm doing this thing for you? I want something in return. I want you to go on this road trip with me. I, you, it's happening. You're coming. Not Come a, with me. Not a request. It's happening. Yep. She's obligated. Now. Yeah. Creeper. Let's see. There's some packing and then the road trip commences. Turns into a road trip movie. Out of nowhere. Simon talks about his falling out with his parents. How he used to paint his mom. She was nude and the d dad didn't know. But then the dad found out he beat him. Mm -hmm. And, of course, he's like, and my parents knew what I was before I did that whole thing. Yeah. So, like, when he turned 18, was going off to college, they gave him a wad of cash and said, don't ever come back. 
Or Peace out, bro. Bye. And they never saw him. At the hotel, Carol gets a call from her son. Her son has scored a goal in soccer, and she's very, very happy. She's super happy, happiest she's ever been. And she says, let's go dancing. And then Simon's like, no, because he's got like a bad leg. He, he needs a cane. And she's like, oh, okay, no. Okay, you doll, you are my date. And then he takes a long shower. She's waiting, waiting, waiting. She's wearing a pretty dress. And so the rest, they go to the restaurant. The restaurant requires a jacket and tie. So the guy brings him out one and it hasn't been dry cleaned or anything. And he's a germaphobe. So he's like, I'll be back. So he runs to a nearby shop and buys a jacket and tie and comes back. And like when he enters, he like looks at her and she looks all beautiful and stuff. And they're supposed to be like falling in love or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like the only thing he could do is insult her because he's just used to blurting out the first inappropriate thing that comes into his head. That's how he shows love. Yeah. He's like, I had to dress up in a tie and you're wearing a house dress. And she's just like, later, I don't need this. And she, he's like, no, 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 stay. And she's like, I require a compliment and then I will stay. And so he says the one of the famous lines, you make me want to be a better man. You make me complete. Yeah, it's the you complete me. That's why I'm like, Jerry Maguire. <laughs> it's like James L. Brooks saw Jerry Maguire and was like, yes. Yes. All of this. All right. This. She kisses him. And because um, they're supposedly having a good time because he's opened up. And she's like, well, tell me why you wanted me to come here with you. And he's like, well, my first idea was that so you could have sex with Simon and, you know. See how that turned out. And she's just like, bah, I am not a prostitute. But, nope. Yeah. But but you are. Yeah. So she's very angry. Goes back to the hotel. Stays with in Simon's room. And so she's like, I'm going to take a bath. And then we get this Titanic scene where he's just like, he's lying in bed. He opens his eyes and he sees her like draped over the tub in a towel running the water. And he gets his inspiration back. His inspiration to draw her. And he says, you're why cavemen chiseled in walls. I chisel you. It's very Titanic. Because she's just like lying there all naked on the bed and keeps drawing her in different poses. And she's like, this is so freeing. Ah, we're best friends. We're the two best friends that anyone could have. We're the two best friends that anyone could have. So the next morning... Melvin's really jealous. He bursts in the door. Did you sleep with her? It's like she's still here. Oh, did you sleep with her? By the way, Simon, you're homeless. They sublet your apartment. So then they drive home. They all drive back to Manhattan from Baltimore. Simon never talks to his parents, except where he does talk to his mom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like he feels so good that he doesn't need the money from them anymore. His art saved him. Yeah. And it's going to save him again. Yep. He drops off them and Carol's like, I don't want to know you anymore. And she's like, stay out of my life later. Like, this is the this is the point where she he's like, stay out of... Because he's like, oh, I wanted you here because I thought you'd have sex with Simon. And now she's like, goodbye forever. I just think there's some, just some weird tipping points in this movie. There's some weird, like, leaps and bounds. Yeah. Maybe if we, like, built up the relationship a little bit better or, like had moments of him doing something other than bitching at people or telling people how bad they are where you could feel like where he was genuine mm -hmm. and she was like 
oh, okay, I'm going to, like, I appreciate your honesty. There wasn't a moment ever where it was just, like, I could believe that this is a relationship that would exist. Yeah. And I can believe quite a few types of relationships exist. I can be, I can believe a lot. Like, I can believe that people with OCD fall in love and that people love people with OCD. I can believe that people who have Tourette's have find love and, and all of that stuff. But I cannot believe that without seeking help that they can't find some type of love or I don't know. I don't know where I'm trying to say. Is it weird that this movie and the last movie we watched both have therapy in them? Gross point blank. Well, I guess in the 90s, therapy became a big thing. Yeah, it was always a thing, but depicted in popular culture. Yeah, it became the it interesting item of the day. Interesting parallel. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, what's his face? Marv, Marv, Melvin. Melvin's a good guy now. He set up Simon's stuff in his spare bedroom. He's allowing this guy to stay in there and the dog. That's his way of being a good guy. Carol calls to apologize because pretty much she went home and she was like, oh, yeah, I'm guilty because my son is completely healthy now. So I'm going to call and apologize. After that, Melvin seeks Simon for some advice. And Simon's just like, tell her you love her. You obviously love her. Just tell her, tell her, tell her, tell her. No kiss. Kiss. And he's like, no, no, no. Okay, maybe I'll, I'll sleep on it. He's like, no. Go. Simon is the fangirl in all of us in Supernatural. Yeah. And he's like, oh, man, I forgot to lock the door. Like his OCD is changing. Different with all the new people and experiences in his life. His routine is being interrupted. He goes to see Carol. There's, there's definitely a, when Harry met Sally, when Harry shows up and, and Sally's like, I hate you, I hate you. And he lists all the reasons why he loves her. It's definitely that vibe that yes. he's talking to her right there. They go for a walk. And yeah, he tells her that she's the greatest woman alive. Yes. He's like, you don't know it. People don't know. People don't see you're the greatest woman alive for blah, blah, blah. The way you take care of your son, the way you run your restaurant, the way you take care of me. You're the greatest person. And then he kisses her twice because the first time he didn't do it. He could do better. So he did it again. <laughs> that's, that's the horrible movie. That's the movie. I know we rushed through it, but I thought we had a good conversation about it in the, in the beginning. And the plot was just all dressing, you know? Would you like to play a game? Yes, Robot Justine. I'm War Games. Oh, okay. I like it. Ashley, do you think that the plot summary for this movie that is on DVD.com is accurate? No. Do you have an idea of what the summary should be? Kind of. Do you want to give it a go? Yes. Take a ride with Jack Nicholson on this forgettable comedy with Helen Hunt and Greg Kinnear as we explore the themes of what your straight white uncle at Thanksgiving will be talking about. Boom! <laughs> See, people wouldn't watch that movie. No, they'd be like, "I've seen it. <laughs> I've lived it." Ah, <laughs> uh, that was good. <laughs> Taking that one to the bank. I just really wanted a way to slip in your straight white uncle. <laughs> that's all I wanted. Okay, it's all I needed in this world. Well, that's great. Now we have to think of ratings. Ashley, would you like to rate this movie? Oh, hell yes. Please do. I'm very excited. I'm going to give this movie one puppy dog bowls. Aww. Only one because it's only for the dog. Only for the dog. Only for the dog. 
I give this movie one hot bun. Hot buns. Because <laughs> they get warm, warm, warm rolls. rolls. They hot get warm rolls and uh, hot buns. Come on. Because <laughs> you can even like play hot cross buns. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Which I used to know how to play on the on the clarinet. Okay, Ashley, what are we watching <laughs> next week? That's not this movie. Please tell me. Let me let me get open the the, the, the Google phone. We have fun on this show. Yes, we do. Next week, we're watching 1997's Life is Beautiful. I feel like the names of these movies have been very misleading. Because it's a Holocaust movie, isn't it? Yes. It's not a rom-com. It's not a rom-com, but it's it's a movie that we've been told to watch. Yeah. If you want to tell us a movie to watch, we have that option available on our Patreon. Patreon. With our lovely patrons. I said it right that time. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy I did it right. It's only so been happy. six months. I know, right? <laughs> but you can find our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash cutawayspodcast. Um, our website, where you can find all of this and more little goodies, is thecutaways.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as at Cutaways Podcast. Please leave us comments, rate us, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcatcher. We love getting reviews. We love getting our Twitter comments. We love it. It brings a smile to our face every day. And keep keep up the good work, guys. Yeah, I love it. I love waking up and then like seeing that my phone has like 15 unanswered Twitter responses and I feel bad because then Justine doesn't get to see them. No, I I, I got it. I got it. I got, <laughs> I got you. Ashley was here. I was there. I crept in <laughs> ever so slightly during my crazy busy work hours. Anytime you want. Yep. Yeah, we've got nearly 75 episodes now our 75th episode is going to be our holiday special our extravaganza is everybody excited about that i am dudes we got 75 so go so go uh creep through our back catalog listen to things go all the way back to the beginning where we really didn't know what we were doing no we still kind of don't know what we're doing but (laughs) it happens all right, so um, take care. Peace and love. Bye. Bye.